Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. A reading from 1 Corinthians. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear sisters and brothers, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes, or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted not as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to what the world can, considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Here ends the reading. Please rise for the gospel. This is the gospel according to Matthew. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. 
God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. This is the gospel of the Lord. This is one of my top 10 desert island favorite passages in the Bible. Not Matthew. Micah. Love it. The Matthew stuff's good too, but I really like this Micah passage. If we didn't have a lectionary that made me preach on other things, I would probably preach on this every single Sunday. So you're welcome. As it is, this is the very first time that I've been able to open it up for you, and so I'm so excited. Are you excited? <laughs> you are right now. <laughs> you might not be. Uh, so Micah 6 begins with a lawsuit, with God calling on the mountains and the hills, the foundations of the earth, to act as judge and jury in the dispute that God has with humanity, or more specifically with the Jews, God's people. It's a form of writing that comes up a lot in the prophets as they are trying to wake the people up to their misdeeds. You, yes, you are not doing what God wants you to do, and so God is suing you. You have been served. It's very dramatic. Like, think Judge Judy, maybe, or probably more accurately, like Roberts and Ginsburg, if they had a reality show. Everything is at stake. The camera lingers on our stern and afraid faces like at the end of every reality TV competition. The lights get more intense, there's swelling music in the background. What will happen? So you can follow along with what will happen. Actually, I guess you can't because you guys don't have the bulletins. You just have to remember what was read to you. So here's, here is the flow, actually. I have a, a little handy-dandy chart for you. So the first thing is that harm is caused. It starts before the reading, the, the people are upset. They are hurt, they're in pain, and they feel like it's really unjust. They feel like they're being punished for things they haven't done. They feel like their lives are too painful and it doesn't seem fair. So they say to God, this isn't fair. Come fix it. So that's before the reading. Then. The beginning of the passage, the first couple of verses, is what we call the introduction to the covenant lawsuit. Anybody want to take notes? You can do that if you want to. Covenant lawsuit. No. Oh, the reading. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put the reading on the screen. That'd be great. Maybe. <laughs> anyway covenant lawsuit. This is the next part. So this is sort of serious and formal. This is like your subpoena to appear in court, and the earth itself is going to pass judgment on our behavior. Then 
we have verses 3 to 5, which is God's opening argument. God says, what the heck, friends? All I've done is good things. All right, fine. Let me list the good things that I've done for you. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Kind of a big deal. Turned the curses that might have come your way into blessings. That's the Balak and Balaam stuff. Oh, yeah, and after I freed you from slavery, I brought you out of your desert wandering into the promised land. Maybe that's small to you. Maybe all that doesn't matter. We call this uh, God's mighty act. God is reciting all of the amazing and wonderful things that God has done, and God sounds a little angry. I did these things for you, or maybe disbelieving, or maybe even you could read it with a tone of hurt, like, friends, what are you doing? I, I did all these nice things for you. What's, what's going on, right? Do you not see what I have done for you? Good shepherd, do you not see the doors that God has opened for you, how God has acted in your life and blessed you? Do you remember? This is what God is saying. Remember not just with your minds, but with your bodies. Call on your sense memory. You were there when God acted. God brought you out of slavery into freedom. Then we get the next part, which is what I like to call, what do you want from us? (laughs) Nice little interrobang at the end of that. What do you want? Because the people have a chance to speak in verses 6 and 7, and they get increasingly sarcastic and exaggerated. It's amazing. They aren't really listening to God's plea to remember, and they get defensive. They say, okay, fine. Fine. What do you want in return? How can we possibly pay you back for all the amazing stuff you did for us? Huh? How can we bow and scrape enough? Should we kill the fatted calf? No, that's not going to be enough, just one. No, how about a thousand sheep sacrificed on your altar? Oh, that's not enough either. What about 10,000 rivers of oil? Oh, or even the worst possible thing we could do. What if we take our own beloved children and kill them on your altar? Would that make you happy? (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) That's what it says. They get increasingly upset, increasingly ridiculous. Do we have to give every penny we have ever earned away to the poor, to people we've never met, so we lie dying on the street? What do you want from us? And then God says, in this calm and sad, but also sort of infinitely welcoming and open and loving voice, what? No. No, friends, you've missed it. I'm not talking about blame and punishment and payment. I'm talking about harm and restoration and love. I've told you over and over again, do justice, love kindness, and walk with me. Just just walk with me. So I call this restoration. is a map of this particular passage, but as Pastor Heidi mentioned to me this morning, this is also 
a map of the whole Hebrew scriptures. It's also kind of a map of our own lives. Notice this is not an economic transaction. This is what God is saying at the end. Justice and kindness is not a payment for our sin. It's not the kind of thing you repay. It's just a whole other thing. God's mighty acts are not a repayment. It's a gift. They're beautiful and monumental, and they're just there. But this is maybe obvious. It's throughout all of our scriptures. This one verse could be said to contain all the wisdom of the Hebrew and Christian testaments. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. This is not news, nor is it just pretty or nice. It's a beautiful invitation and reminder to be sure, but it's also a challenge. God is angry about the ways we are not doing justice, how kindness has left the building, how we walk arrogantly, full of our own selves. Countless times God tells us throughout the prophets to take care of orphans and widows, to welcome strangers and refugee as though they are our own family, to not take more than we need. It should not be news to us to hear Micah saying, we need to reach out and make amends to people, those individual hurts that we have caused or that were done on our behalf, no matter how awkward or uncomfortable that is, and it is. And it should not be news to us to hear Micah saying to us as a group that we need to repair and reconnect. It's not just our individual actions, but the collection of all of our actions for centuries that hurt and destroy. It's a a gestalt, a collection. We as Christian people, we as white people or middle-class people or whatever, pick a group. We have participated in hurt, and we are called to healing. It should not be a surprise to consider that Micah could be saying to us American Christians, why do so many of your people starve? Why are so many of you in prison? Why are you so afraid of strangers on your streets and at your borders? It might be painful to hear Micah taking us to task. It might be uncomfortable. It might make us defensive and self-protective. Maybe we're going to go right into this space right here. What do you want from us? But it's not news. And it's also not the end of everything because there's possibility here. This is also what Michael is saying. He's, Micah is saying. He's not saying that everything is ruined, but that there is mending and restoration and amends that can happen. We can repair the breach with God's help. But we have to see that there's a breach to repair. We have to see that there's pain and that we've been involved with it, even if we didn't start it. And God is calling us to see that before everything, underneath everything, this great Lutheran phrase, in, with, and under everything, we share love and deep relationship already. So we need to focus on that in faithfulness. So let me give you an example, and as examples go, it's a doozy. I think you've heard me cite these statistics before. Black folk make up 12% of the American population and 34% of the incarcerated population. 
Black folk are five more times likely to be incarcerated than white folks. Children in our school system who are suspended are significantly more likely to enter the prison population, even though juvenile crime rates are actually following really quickly, falling really quickly. 48% of preschool children suspended more than once are black, despite there being no evidence that they are more likely to misbehave. Also, just a side note, preschool student suspensions? There are so many studies and articles that you can read about this. I encourage you to do so. But I bring this up because these numbers are a direct result of the through line of racism in our history traced directly back to the Atlantic slave trade. And no, you and I did not own people, thank God. And you and I are not avowed white supremacists, thank God. Yet we benefit from a history that did and is. Or more to the point, our black brothers and sisters are the recipients of long-standing injustice, of generational hurt. What was started centuries ago with Europeans working out how they could categorize tribes around the world as uncivilized to get rich off their land, and then continued in the slave trade, also continued in our judicial system immediately after the Civil War. And there are hundreds of laws criminalizing dark skin. This is just history. This is the system we have inherited today and it leads to mass incarceration. It's not over. We need to see it, to care about it, and to make amends. And I bring this up, this is so important, I bring this up not to make us feel bad. It's okay if you do. It's not about feeling bad. I bring it up because we are made for love and relationship, and this is one of the most visible breaks in relationship that we have. Something is broken. It's not about entitlement. It's not about taking something away from people who have money or privilege. It's about helping all the people to have life and life abundant. Because this is what Micah is about, restoration, this bit of the cycle. And some people call this form of justice restorative justice. Rather than being interested in blame and punishment, restorative justice is about seeing the rift, seeing the harm, and meeting the needs that that harm has for healing doesn't mean being soft on crime, nor does it mean that people who cause harm are allowed to just walk away, because of course accepting what we've done to hurt someone else is really an important part of redemption and reconciliation. Restorative justice focuses on how the crime has broken the perpetrator as much as the victim and the community. We tell stories, we hear the stories of those we've hurt, we work on a solution that mends, that heals. One of the people I read this week said, we can begin to sew together the pieces of our torn lives into a new fabric. <laughs> it's a really fat needle. <laughs> Stitching it together. Justice that restores, justice that includes loving kindness is entirely possible. We already have it. It might be one of your favorite words. Grace. 
undeserved, filled with possibility and hope and free. God's gift to us simply because we are humans. We are a people who are made for love and for mending. May it be so. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.